0: The boys are back on a Tuesday night, everyone. Welcome into This Week in Hockey, along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario, the trio in studio, a little over a week before our first Blues game to get things rolling. Fellas, how are we doing? We are starting to feel the pressure of a lot of work that needs to be done in the
1: next seven days. It's kind of creeping up on us here, isn't it? it so it, it is phenomenal how the dates continue to fly, but I can't wait. I'm, I was part of two Zoom calls today with a whole bunch of season ticket holders. Have three more of these tomorrow. And it's actually been really it's been very uplifting. It's been very uplifting. Zach Sanford joined uh, one of the groups for about five minutes, Robert Thomas, who will join us on the show in just a little bit Uh, at 6.30 today was part of another one and again uh, seeing the reaction of the Blues fans when these players came on those Zoom calls guys and just even doing a little Q&A with them and doing some let's go Blues chants it had had me fired up it it re-energized me again
2: just to what this team means to its fans well I think that they're excited because they know that the dance begins right away. And I think there's a certain buzz, no disrespect to baseball and everything, but there's a certain buzz about hockey around this town because uh, for that for that reason exactly, like when they start, it, it, the games mean something right away. And I'm telling you right now, these players... They're as excited as these fans. You know, I ran at Jordan Bennington after practice this morning. I go to the dealership. Of course, my, my wife's engine light goes on. And as husbands, as good husbands, Alex, you will learn this, that when the engine light comes on, you take it upon yourself to bring it into the dealership. So I, I did already that. do that. No big deal. I did that this morning. And I ran into Jordan Bennington. And I actually got a, a nicer loaner than he did, so we joked about that here for a while.
3: <laughs> and uh,
2: the, the guy in the dealership really felt bad, too. I said, no, this is great. Watch this. So we, we... we uh." had some banter about it. But I asked Jordan, go, how you doing? He goes, dude, I am so ready to get out of here. I mean, these players, they, yeah. they just want to get going. Like, they're so tired of this. They, they want to get to Edmonton. They want to see what it's about. They want to see the hotel and they just want to play some freaking hockey. So they're going to have a meeting tomorrow. Doug Armstrong has a meeting, I believe with the players tomorrow
1: where they're going to go over a lot more details of what to expect in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Some of the rules, regulations, opportunities, that kind of thing. Now, I don't get the sense that they've talked a whole lot about that yet, um, at least in, in a couple of the interviews that I've done. And, and Doug was on one that, that we had with some sponsors earlier this morning. Mm-hmm. So th- to that end, I get the sense. And then the National Hockey League over the next couple of days, I believe there's a call on the 23rd with a lot of the media members where they're going to walk us through everything. And then later in the week as well. So, um, I know fans have heard me say this a lot over this last year. But, man, like, you get – you either – and I haven't been at the rink because for just out-of-safety reasons, all right? But I've had plenty of conversations with guys doing these interviews, doing the shows, and, Joe, every time I talk to one and you ask a few questions, you – like, I get the sense of – unless it's bad luck, bad luck either being the virus – an injury or putt bounces?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know how this team's going to lose. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's, that's the sense and feeling they give me. No, I think they, they're calling in extremely confident, and, and really, why shouldn't they be confident uh, given the season they had? They're, they're still riding this high. I know we keep talking the Stanley Cup, and the players are tired of it, but when you win a Stanley Cup, you just, there's something untouchable about you. These guys feel like there's wind in their sails, and no one is going to deflate that wind, and that's just a feeling moving forward. Now, if they would have had a rough regular season or a rough March heading into this break, Maybe they would feel differently, but I get the same uh, same sense as well, Curves, and I really feel like these guys are, are chomping at the bit. And the other thing, too... They're fresh. I mean, talking to Braden Shen, I texted him a bunch the other day, and I was even just joking like, man, you're snapping it around out there. He said, I've been training my whole life wrong. I used to bag myself before every camp, and I would never feel this good. He Hmm. goes, I've kind of sat on my butt and just kind of done yoga and stretching for the last few months. I've never felt this good in my entire life. And I've watched these practices, guys, and this team is humming on all cylinders right now. Does that excite
1: you? From the standpoint of this guy is in the early, early stages of a long-term deal with oh, the team, yeah. and when you hear a player or athlete make that comment, mm-hmm. it's it really is honestly, it's like the last... Aha moment of a career. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't learn other things and it won't mean you get better in certain things. Yeah. But to me, over the years, my experience has said that when a player gets to that point where they have the realization that Braden just had, mm-hmm. it's almost like saying, I have a new understanding of my body that propels them forward mentally in a many, many ways.
2: You kind of get rid of the old, right? When you're young and you're feisty, like Robert Thomas, you know, you need to get bigger, you need to get stronger, you need to get quicker. It's just go, go, go. You train with Gary Roberts up in Toronto, and this is what the players do. And you're kind of out of habit, because we are creatures of habit, especially hockey players. You just kind of do that every single summer. But you're right, Curbs. I think everyone's career, you have that aha moment, that light bulb moment where you realize, geez, I'm not 22 anymore. I need to kind of treat my body a little bit differently. My last year heading into Arizona, I don't know why. I think I hurt my back a little bit. I, I tore my QL. I did a lot of yoga heading into that final season. And again, at camp, I've never felt so good in my life. My hips were mobile. I felt loose. I, my stride was there. And I didn't feel like strength-wise I lost much, and I think this is what a lot of these players, not just on the Blues, because every team is going through this, but I think a lot of these star players are going through that. I watched Connor McDavid on social media the other day. They showed a couple clips of him in his practice game. I've never seen him look so fast in my life. I mean, we are going to see these athletes, the best athletes in the world, and we are going
0: to see them, I think, at a whole nother level we are not expecting. Well, in the aspect for this Blues team last year, what got them to the Stanley Cup championship was their physicality and how they could out-physical another team on the ice. They started doing that today, and practice some of the videos that I saw from Centene guys kind of shoving each other in the boards doing that board play that Craig Ruby likes to do he was asked about that uh, during a zoom meeting today after the skate and I wanted to get that audio for you guys to listen to
4: that's a little iffy at times I think I think the scrimmage is we try to play it as game like as we can if you're playing against your own teammates you don't want to hurt each other so we, you know we've got to be careful with injuries and things like that but we want to make it as close to his game as possible look when we get there we got an exhibition game against Chicago. We've got the three round robin games, and we really got to do some. You know, we really got to play those games hard and prepare ourselves.
0: So, if you think about it, they've they've officially had their training camp for one full week going into this week, with a couple of days off. And today was the first day that they actually started implementing physical play into some of their training practices, rather than just the scrimmage game. Much like the
1: comment I made about the players, uh, the coaching seems to be the same way. They they came in with a plan. One of the conversations that I had with Steve Ott a month or so ago, maybe even probably more than a month ago now, was one of the things that the coaching staff was waiting for was to figure out what is the plan in terms of how are we going to play? If we can come back, are we going to have three weeks of a regular season, normal playoffs? Are we going to do essentially what they're doing now? The reason he said that, is he said, we have to determine as a coaching staff how we need to coach. Do we come in right away and coaching as if we're going into a tournament? The World Cup, the, uh, you know, the, 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 um, Uh, The World Championships okay? Or are we coaching Knowing we've got a month and a half of games Before you ramp up for that Mm -hmm.
2: And this coaching staff has been On top of that philosophy right from the start Yeah they've been dialed in and you know last week When they got things going it was a lot of systems A lot of puck touches Execution coming out of D zone Coming up as a unit forechecking Bumping the puck behind the net on the forecheck Where you know your winger's going to be So a lot of that just you know old dog Same tricks kind of philosophy where we're just trying to be in the right position i've noticed starting today at the rink it's starting to ramp up Uh, not only the physicality but you know the conditioning Mm -hmm. is another thing and you know it just blows me away not to get sidetracked from conditioning standpoint i've watched practices the last three times they're on the ice except sunday at the scrimmage i missed that ryan o'reilly yep (laughs) he is bagging himself after every skate. I'm talking Herb Brooks, Suicide Mountains, whatever again. you want to call them. Again, 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 at the goal line. And he, again, is dragging kids into the fight. Today, Robert Thomas was with him. Uh, Zach Sanford was with him. It was Ori and Kairu. Uh, Kairu was another Kyru's one. has been in there. I think one or two. Oh, um, uh, it was Wallman, Jake Walman yeah. on the back end. It, it, it's, it blows me away. And I'm going to be really interested to see in these games come the third period when 90 steps over the boards, because Craig Berube can trust putting him out there, but he is putting in the work, and he like,
0: again, he is dragging these young kids into the fight. Remember at the beginning of the season where it was one guy with him? Like, it was Robert Thomas out there after every practice, yeah. and it was starting to see, like, like flocks of birds. You'd yeah. start to see another guy step in. Next thing you know, towards February, I think, when they were practicing, you'd have eight to ten guys just hanging around, like a Jaden Schwartz out there still, just shooting pucks around with them, just practicing their stick-handling skills. Like, it's been... Follow the leader all season long with number ninety. Well, it's funny too. I was with Bernie,
2: and he even looked at what was going on, and he is like, "What is this Ryan O'Reilly doing? You won a cup. You won the Conn Mike, Get off the ice. How much better can you act?" Even Bernie Federico, one of the greatest Blues, maybe the greatest Blue of all time, can't even figure out what Ryan O'Reilly's
0: it's doing. Incredible. Well, that's Joe Vitale and Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is this week in hockey. We are here with you till eight o'clock tonight. We got a fun show lined up for you. Robert Thomas is going to be joining us at about six thirty tonight. We're also going to talk. Talk with Steve Chapman former Blue BJ Crombean is going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour but up next the Edmonton Oilers broadcaster Jack Michaels get a little perspective on broadcasting from Edmonton in the Hub City for the Western Conference he's going to join us next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN
3: back to This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey 101 ESPN
1: Well, welcome back into This Week in Hockey here on a Tuesday night, 6 to 8 p.m. And it is coming your way throughout the restart of the season as well. You know, we're taking it. The show's not going away. This show, like not even a pandemic could take this show off the air. I mean, that's, that, that's how tough this is. I mean, this, 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 I, they pretty much ought to make a Marvel movie about this show, well, right? it, is a, it is a hockey show. Right? Right? Ho- I mean, no yeah. turf toe on this side of the no, broadcast. Hockey guys. Right, so we're hockey guys. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're hockey guys. Well, speaking of hockey guys, let's go up north to Edmonton. So one of this bubble cities is, is the city of Edmonton. Uh, that is where the Blues are going to be based out of. Jack Michaels, who is uh, the longtime broadcaster now of the Edmonton Oilers, kind enough to join us. And, uh, Jack, I, I just wanted to bring you on and get an idea of just kinda what it was like to watch this transpire and then find out that Edmonton was going to be part of the was gonna be one of the bubble cities. Now, I know that you're not into the you're not gonna be allowed into broadcast games either, even though you're right there. We don't have to get into that and I don't want your blood to boil on this broadcast tonight. I want this to be meaningful for you. So I, I guess let's just start with first off, how the heck are you and and what's it like in Edmonton knowing that a whole bunch of hockey teams are about to descend on the city.
5: Well, it's kind of strange to be honest with you because, you know, the city's pumped up for it, I think, to some degree. But there's also, you know, the very real situation that, you know, the fans themselves are not able to enjoy it. You know, I mean, they're not able to – go to the games and that's what's for years you know made Edmonton when they have been in the playoffs and obviously that's you know been 2017 and then all the way back to 2006 but what what makes it an interesting town come playoff time is when the Oilers are winning and there's playoff hockey you go into the building it's light you come out of the building it's light just because we are so far up north and um, you know, it's so it's without that carnival-like atmosphere after games and the city humming, it's it's going to be a bit surreal. But then again, that's the whole situation we currently find ourselves in. And you know, as far as you know, the buildup and, and how things shook out. I mean, really, it was a difference of how the provincial health ministers handled it. I think Vancouver's was uh, you know a little bit tighter and, and unhappy with how the NHL would view a couple of. Positive tests. I think you know their uh, lack of agreement on that issue kind of uh, left the Canucks, you know, uh, by the wayside. And then you know, Vegas was the overwhelming favorite, and you know, the numbers in the United States and in particular in Nevada, you know, continued to spike, and that kind of took Vegas out of the running. So uh, it's it's a nice showcase for the city of Edmonton, uh, yet at the same time, just the reality of the world in which we live right now uh, is is going to be a situation where it's a it's a muted reaction only from the standpoint that there's going to be only so many outlets. Obviously the bars are going to be packed. The streets are going to be packed. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, you know, mindful social distancing,
6: even if the Oilers should make a
5: significant run. We'll see if that changes once you get into August and September. I mean, who knows where we go with these different phases, but it, it is kind of an odd time, and 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 I'm sure it's the same way in St. Louis, ready for the ball season and and obviously the blues run in edmonton.
2: Jack, you got the boots on the ground up there in edmonton. Have you heard anything? Do you have any insight about the bubble and what that will look like for players? We know there's some player meetings coming up in the next couple days, but are there golf courses being set aside for the guys up in edmonton? Have you heard anything like that?
5: I well, that's that you know, the restaurant and entertainment aspect are things that the national hockey League just now getting to because you know first and foremost was setting up the integrity of the bubble how it works up here in Edmonton and and Chris has had kind of limited exposure to this basically on one trip I believe where he he saw the setup and and the fact that there's a, basically a pedway that's going to connect the two hotels and I can't remember whether the Blues as Stanley Cup champions let's hope they drew the JW but even if it, they yes yeah you know, we've
1: we've been there yep yep
5: yeah there you go so you've been there, and if the Blues drew that particular hotel, there's there's, four te- there's six teams in Sutton Place, there's six teams in JW. JW is literally across the street from the arena, so it's a very short pedway walk. It's all connected and it'll be easy to maintain. Sutton Place is a little bit further down that pedway. They're blocking that portion off to the public and you can still get, even though it's a little bit further, we're talking basically a block and a half, although, again, you have to imagine a Pedway suspended above street level, they're going to block that block and a half off to the remaining six teams that Drew Sutton plays, including, of course, Edmonton's arch-rival, the Calgary Flames. And Don't think that was an accident. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you've got a situation where basically it's a, it's an interior walk. Although, you know, at this time of year, you'd love to walk outdoors. That isn't available to the players. But they'll be protected in that bubble to and from. In addition, the blues and, and for that matter all the teams at times will be practicing at a large complex called the Terwiller rec center. And there are going to be buses from what I understand, you know, similar to what we've kind of heard about the NBA bubble and the MLS bubble, you know, buses with all the appropriate protocols, direct point A to point B. So that it's not just the Oilers who get the benefit of their training facilities, their locker room. Essentially, starting you know July 26th, Rogers place becomes less the Oilers' home rink than just the site of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And as Chris knows, and you guys know, once the league takes over, it's a league situation. And Edmonton's one of 12. might be the host city, but it's not the host team. And so there's there's been shuttles set up for that purpose. And what I think, gentlemen, uh, getting back to your point about golf courses and things of that nature, those are less prioritized. As you can imagine, there's a ton of things to work out. That's on the lower rung of priorities. But in the area of player comfort, especially for those, you know, going two and three rounds deep, I, I do suspect they'd be looking to set up the same airtight transportation to and from a golf course, you know, to and from some other, you know, Jaunt Avenue National Park. Uh, there's a you know there's a national park where you can hike not far from my house. I mean, who knows what's going to happen as, as we get a little bit deeper into this? But it, it's all about the transportation. As far as the hotel and proximity to the arena, that should be relatively easy to maintain. I don't see an issue there with maintaining an airtight bubble. It's pretty easy.
0: Jack, as somebody who's in Edmonton, and we've already kind of seen a little sample of success in the NBA with this bubble. How How confident are you personally that the NHL can pull this off from beginning to end?
5: Well, I think the Oilers have done a nice job creating that Olympic Village feel, which is what the NHL was looking for. They they don't want any, you know, mistakes here. They feel and and with some justification that for once they've handled, you know, a combination return to play and labor negotiations better than the other sports. We haven't we haven't seen to this point the animosity that so often marks any sort of negotiation or collective of bargaining uh, with the players and the league, we have seen some real angry words exchanged. Uh, you know, at the, in the other leagues, they haven't handled it as well, and 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 the NHL has it, you know, intact. I think it's going to be relatively easy to pull off once you're in the bubble. The key, of course, will be getting the players. Even though we're down to you know four and five days, the key is getting everyone here healthy. And then once inside the bubble, I mean, let's say there's, let's say there are five or six positive tests and, you know, everyone else goes inside the bubble. I, I think the way Edmonton in particular is constructed with just literally, I mean, a a very short walk, literally a five minute walk indoors from the JW to Rogers place where there is no chance of coming into contact with members of the general public. I think the bubble will be kept intact. And I think it'll be kept intact rather routinely. It should not be that much of a problem.
1: Jack, uh, back to on the ice. You know, when you look at the the situation, you guys are a good hockey team, but you have to play one of the play-in rounds, and you end up drawing the Chicago Blackhawks, who do have some talent there. When you look at that series, anything that might give you just a little bit of pause?
5: I mean, anytime you're talking about a team that still has Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Taves on its roster, it gives you pause. Those guys, not only Curbs as you know, have won three Stanley Cups, but they can still play. There are three guys that can still play. I mean, I I don't know how much is left in the tank with Brent Seabrook. He's, you know, he's playing on some bionic hips, and again, due to some, you know, various situations, he might find himself in the lineup. I mean, they're they're counting on Calvin Nahan, a guy who didn't play the last. Three months to come back and instantly be a top four guy. As you know, Connor Murphy has kind of missed some time here uh, at practice over the last week or two. So I got to be honest with you. I, Chicago's not the same team in its depth and if they don't have Corey Crawford, I I don't think they have a realistic shot in this series. I don't. Corey Crawford played outstanding. For the last six weeks of the regular season, he was at a 927 because they have an atrocious defensive hockey team this year and Corey Crawford was keeping them at games and as you know offensively, they've still got a lineup that can make you silly. Their problem is managing the puck in their own zone. They can't do it, haven't done it and you know, it's a real element that even in a best-of-five series I think can get exposed with their lack of depth on the defensive end and and that's that's ultimately going to be where I was going to need Corey Crawford to steal a game or two in this series because I don't see them winning, let's say, three games in this series by a score of 3-2. to two. They're going to have to win one of them 6-5 and then hope Corey Crawford can steal them the other two.
1: I don't disagree with you there. Corey Crawford is the key to that being an interesting series or uh, one that uh, is definitely leaning the games. other way. They're-
5: not in there i honestly believe that and i don't mean any disrespect to the blackhawks but let's face it this is not you know and everyone wants to say well they came out of the 2013 lockout 21-0-3 well that, that's seven years ago this is not the same team they're gonna they're gonna need uh all their guys to put up decent offensive numbers and they're gonna need cory crawford if he doesn't play chris i can't see them even winning a game
1: very good. Hey Jack, thanks for letting us check in with you. If you don't mind, we're going to check in with you time to time cuz you you might be our boots on the ground if that's okay with you, buddy.
5: Always a pleasure, Kerbs. I've been called a lot worse than boots on the ground. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> All right, Jack, take care, buddy. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Keep All right, that's Jack Michael's up there in Edmonton giving us a view of what things are like up there where the Blues are heading at the end of the week. When we come back back to the ice in St. Louis, Robert Thomas joins us live on the program in about 3 minutes here on One ESPN.
3: You want to hear this week in hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. Forced it towards the middle, that's
1: blocked. Thomas again gets to it, into the slot. Perron shooting in, and a blocker and a save made rather by the defense. As that one comes to Thomas alone in front. He scores. Perron found Thomas on the back door. He collected the puck.
2: Well, that kind of ruins my intro. I guess we kind of spoiled who our special guest is this week. You know, it's funny, Curbs and Alex. And welcome back, folks, into This Week in Hockey. But I talked to Mike Crusoe today, the PR guy for the St. Louis Blues, and I said, Mike, I want your opinion of who the best player this week so far has been on my radio show tonight. And he picked our guest, Robert the Thomas. Robert, how are you doing tonight, buddy?
7: Good night, buddy. Doing good. How are you guys? <laughs> Robert, I want
2: to start out. By a simple observation And I kind of mentioned it to you the other day When we were on that Zoom call But something I noticed about you Here in camp is your shot And you've always had a, a really good shot But I think your shot has got so much more velocity Your upper body looks bigger And I said, Robert, you look stronger And And you said that this is probably The first time since you turned pro That you've had an opportunity to really focus On your body and work out And if you think about it, your rookie season leads right into the cup A short off season. do you feel a sense of uh, strength and rejuvenation since this four-month layover has happened?
7: Yeah, you know, I think you... You hit the hammer right on the head. Um, you know, even the last three three seasons, they've all gone kind of long and I haven't really had some a good enough time to kind of get a full full workout in and kind of have a couple of months to just for myself to to work out and kind of get stronger. So, uh that's yeah, I definitely feel a lot stronger and I think it's definitely affected my shot and uh you know, a lot of other aspects.
0: Robert, with that being said, you know, we we've heard a lot of raving reviews from a lot of your teammates. Uh, we just talked with Colton pareko a couple of days ago ago here on 101 ESPN and he said that you're somebody that stuck out to him immediately once camp opened back up for you other than strength does does something else feel different does something else feel better for you since you stepped back onto the ice
7: uh yeah I mean uh I'd say yeah a lot has to do with strength um but I think uh I think I just feel more comfortable um you know every I, I keep on saying this and it's a little cliche but it, it's so true and it's uh, the best way to say it is you know every day you just get that little bit more comfortable that little bit more confident in yourself and uh, yeah I mean over the break I you know I've seen some skill guys and, and that kind of stuff and it kind of really helps my confidence even more so uh, I think a little bit of all those things has kind of contributed to it.
1: How would you how would you take us through the growth of that comfort from when you were first hitting the ice and just trying to find your way in into the lineup regularly to where you show up at the rink knowing that you have a regular spot if you continue the, the, the work that you've been putting in?
7: Yeah, I mean pretty much your first two years it's it's tough like you don't know when you're in the lineup, when you're not. Uh, I think second year you get a little bit better of a picture but especially your first year you have no idea you show up to the rink and you're hoping to be in the game sometimes you're not and so you're always kind of looking over your shoulder a little bit and uh, I think as that kind of just goes on you get more comfortable you kind of know what to expect and especially as a young guy it's hard you know you have a lot of older guys that have played so many games and have such accomplished careers that you watched on TV as you grow up and it's a it's a little bit you're a little starstruck and uh, I think all those kind of things kind of contribute a little bit, but Uh, you know the more you go on and kind of every day you get just a little bit more comfortable.
2: Robert one of those older guys that I see you sticking by ever since you came into this league is is a player that I saw you bag skating with this afternoon and Ryan O'Reilly and and I don't know if you understand this or not and you've only played for the St. Louis Blues but I'm sure you've heard this from older players but do you realize how incredibly lucky you are to have such a role model as Ryan O'Reilly not only as a player but from a characteristic hero Standpoint uh, to to model your game after, and to kind of groom you young guys into the game and what it's like to be a pro.
7: Yeah, I mean uh it doesn't doesn't get much better than that. Uh I think it's it's pretty neat cuz I see a lot of similarities uh you know in my head and just kind of the way he plays is the way it's the right way and that's the way you know you want to play. So I think having a role model like that is, is is awesome and you know there's so many other guys as well. shenner has been unbelievable with me, bozak Steiner. Uh, I could list off 10 or 10 or 12 guys that have just you know really made a huge impact. So uh just being surrounded by by so many you know unbelievable players is this kind of it, it really helps you you grow as a young player Robert uh, we're talking with Robert Thomas here on
1: this weekend in hockey is uh, we're glad to have everybody joining us here on a Tuesday night once again Robert going into the bubble or going into this week where you guys are scheduled to leave on Sunday. What are some of the questions or thoughts? I I wouldn't necessarily characterize them as concerns, just questions or thoughts you have about, you know, how this will work or what this might be like.
7: Yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I think, I think everyone's kind of got a little bit of uncertainty. We're not sure, you know, how, how it's all going to work out and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's just a little bit about that, but, uh, you know once we get there we're going to be all business we're, we're ready to go we want to we want to win this thing again and uh, so that'll be our mindset but uh, at the same time you you know you got to take care of yourself and take care of your teammates because uh, you know as soon as one person makes a mistake then it kind of affects everyone so uh, it's a little bit of, a little bit of both there is there a sense of comfort going
0: into it though Robert and I know you you're on social media you kind of see the news going around but the success that the NBA has had so far with this this bubble city and then you knowing and very comfortable with your teammates and how responsible they are Is there a sense of comfortability going into this bubble
7: yeah uh yeah definitely you definitely uh you know your teammates well and you can you can trust them to kind of take care of their own and uh, i'm sure it's the same around the league so uh definitely some comfort and and seeing how the nba did uh you know, you brought even a little bit more comfort. Um, so I hope I hope everything kind of goes to plan, and uh, you know I hope it all works out.
2: Hey, Robert, the NHL has taken on a relaxed dress code for Edmonton and Toronto, and this is a big one because <laughs> I've seen that red suit yeah. you sport to these games. Are yeah. are you bringing your suits, uh, or have you given that much thought? Are you going to go with the relaxed the relaxed dress code with the hoodie and sneakers to to every game?
7: Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely taking the relaxed approach. Um, I think, uh, I think the biggest reason is it's probably going to be tough to get your laundry done there. So, yeah, uh, I think, I think there'll be a lot of Lululemon and and stuff that doesn't shrink. So, uh, not not taking the chances on the hotel uh, laundry service. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Uh, I'm definitely going to be taking it relaxed. I know a lot of guys are. Um, And so, yeah, it should be fun. Uh, There's definitely going to be some people that are... That, uh, that bring it all out and, and dress up real nice so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know what what everyone kind of picks out
1: well it, it is going to be an interesting scenario just because everybody's going into a situation that they don't know what they're dealing with in, in the case of some some have families some are leaving new babies some have babies on mm-hmm. the way you know and th- this is all just on your team alone has the message from Craig baruby very solidly been let's just worry about what we can control from one day to the next to keep the focus where it needs to be?
7: Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, he that's that's his message coming across is uh you know if we worry about ourselves and we take care of ourselves then we're going to put ourselves in a good spot so uh that that leads it all all onto us and and we know what we have to do and uh to be safe and to prepare ourselves for this and uh you know none of us have really been in a situation like this uh you know with tournaments uh some people in college but uh it'll be a lot of fun it'll be something new and uh you know if we take care of ourselves and kind of worry about what we can control, like you said, uh, then we'll be in good shape.
0: Yeah, we're talking with Robert Thomas, blues forward. A couple more minutes with him here on This Week in Hockey. Chris Kerber, Joe Vitali, Alex Ferrario. Uh, Robert, if I've learned, learned anything over the last few years, it's don't read too much into what goes on at practices or training camps, but we have seen you working on the ice on that second power play unit with Vladimir Tarasenko, Colton Pareko. Uh, what's, the, what's the comfort level and what's the excitement being out there on a the line with Vladimir Tarasenko and Colton Pareko on a power play like that?
7: Yeah, I mean, it, it makes my job easier. Uh, I just got a pass in the puck, and you know their, their shots are, if they get a good shot in the slot, it's likely going to go in, so it uh, kind of fits fits my mold uh, pretty well there, and yeah, I mean, we, we only had one really practice uh, in the power play, but uh, you can definitely see kind of it all shaping together, and uh, we haven't had that much time this year together, so it'll take a little bit to get used to each other, but uh, yeah, it definitely felt really good, and uh, it's great to have Lottie back out there, that's for sure.
2: Robert, my mind just wanders for you guys, because I can't <laughs> imagine how you are packing, or planning to pack yeah. for next okay. week. And is, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. As, as you go through your duffel bag and your big bag, we've already met, you already mentioned you're not bringing your suits, but the last question I have for you are, what's yes. something... In particular, that's not standard on a regular road trip that you're going to bring with you, aside from maybe the the video games and the Fortnite or whatever you heck you kids we'll play Charles these days. D- the Tale of Two Cities, I, I, it'll get you through the whole it, thing. Are on. you bringing a book? Are you what, <laughs> what are you Dickens, bringing yeah. to keep sane? Because uh, you could potentially be in Edmonton for over two months.
7: You know what? I honestly, uh, it's. When do we leave? We leave Sunday. It's a little early for that question. I haven't thought really too far into it yet. Uh, today I kind of pretty much just went out. I was looking for a giant suitcase, the biggest one you could find, so I could fit as much stuff as I wanted. But uh, I honestly, I we were actually talking about that today. We have no idea what to pack right now. Um, I have no idea. I'm bringing clothes, my my video games, that's for sure, and uh, I haven't really put much thought into anything. Kind of out of the bubble so far so uh you know what i'm gonna let you know on that uh, later in the week i'll think of something creative just don't
2: forget your toothbrush robert you did not mention your toothbrush yeah. and all that
7: <laughs> well that's kind of standard in the clothing yeah, yeah, thing, you say? that
0: must be a
2: yeah. youth thing though because hey,
7: hey, i'm robert. on the
0: same page as robert like i'd be like i'll worry about that saturday night before we're leaving <laughs> robert did yeah. you know that joey
1: will share his toothbrush with his all wife all
2: right yeah that's filthy yeah. <laughs> Robert, you probably have had a girlfriend throughout the years that you shared a toothbrush with. Come on.
7: Uh, I can't say I've done that. Yeah, oh my see, God. I can't no, either. Listen, no. don't
1: listen, Robert, I'm, i I got you by almost I mean, two decades at this point. Well, almost maybe maybe eighteen years at this point. But I, I, all my life, I have not done it either. So that's okay. It's yeah, okay. I, yeah,
7: I, I, I don't. I don't envision myself as, as doing that, but uh, <laughs> you know, des- desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures, yeah, I guess. Right. Uh, that's right. That's right. And, fantastic. and that, means,
1: that means a little crest on the finger, not using their toothbrush. Uh, you can't get in <laughs> exactly. the grooves as much. You
0: can't get in the grooves. That's, that's why you didn't bring it up. <laughs> hey, Robert, we appreciate it so much, man, hopping on with us. Thanks again. Uh, good luck the rest of the way through training camp, getting down to the bubble, and uh, good luck in the bubble, and we look forward to seeing the Stanley Cup back in St. Louis with you. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Awesome. There you go. That's Robert Thomas, Blues forward, taking some time and clarifying what Kerbs and I have already known. Joe, you're a monster. I I still don't see there's a problem with it. I mean, you're going to make out with your wife. What is the freaking difference? uh, I I can't completely
1: argue with that comment. uh, (laughs) Listen, when we we come back, I'm going to give you one very simple reaction
0: to something that Robert Thomas said. All right. There you go. We'll come back with that next as we wrap up the first hour of This Week
3: in Hockey. We are right back to it. This Week in Hockey on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN. (laughs)
0: AHHHHH <laughs> final time this hour, whole nother hour of this week in hockey coming up right after the top of the hour break. Big thank you to Robert Thomas. Once again, and if you missed our chat with him or Jack Michaels in this first hour, you can check it out on our podcast. One-on-one ESPN.com. We do have Steve Chapman coming up in the next segment and former blue BJ Crombean joining us at seven thirty. but curves before we hit that break, you said one thing popped out at you of our conversation with Robert Thomas, other than him, not agreeing with Joe. Well, yeah. And if, sharing I, a toothpaste. if I'm going to be very
1: honest, uh, um which, as you guys know, I am. I was actually kind of jealous of that comment. Of I'm about to potentially go into a city and be quarantined in a hotel room for two months, and at uh, five days is still too far away to be thinking about what I'm bringing. Yeah, how about I mean, that? If, like, that's a kid. Just, that's a, that's a, that's a youth that, thing, Joe. Well, no kid, because you yourself. I'm said the same way. You yourself said. Now, I don't. I don't pack. A lot of times, I do not pack. Until literally the day of the, the morning of a trip, mm-hmm. you know, I got into the habit a little bit more of laying out my suits and stuff because Christy helps me with ties and things like that. So that's more of a you need help too. Uh, yes. Well, and I know this, right? So, uh, <laughs> so, so I started doing that because it gives her more time if she's ready to leave for school if she can help me the night before on the tie front right. or the shirt front. So, either
2: but, either she needs help too, or you're not listening oh, to her. Oh no, Which no, one no, is it? yeah, no, no. These tie these tie arrangements curves. I'm still seeing them. No, every day. they're, they're, not they're good. darn good.
0: There's oh, been a couple. There's, yeah. yeah.
1: there's been a couple. <laughs> There's been a, a couple. The bear. Sorry. They, they've been they've been pretty good, don't you think? His face is getting right okay there. No, no, He's no. no. Here's angry. the thing. He's not gonna hit me. I can tell you. No, I can tell he you no, this. So if it is bad, that well, that was just a chance where I didn't. I, she do. She was not able to help me. <laughs> you know what? I'm just. I, I just would never said put that head on her. You know, I just
2: said that to yeah. stir something. You know, badly. Fighting fighting yeah, but you can't.
1: But nobody like there are shots people could take at me that might sting. My lack of fashion sense, sure as hell isn't one. I know when it's bad when with
0: curves when he gets into the booth. And he just yanks the tie off immediately and puts it on the hooks. Yeah, like, no, that's, that's that more happening. of a comfort thing th- th- than anything else. Yeah. So, like, like, so I found you uh, do that with the shirts I was too. Cleaning
1: out, you know, with with the renovation stuff we had done, I kind of so I still have, I kept it. I still have the suit that. Christy sold me, which was the first time we met, mm. and the coat pretty much still fits.
2: There you go. That, How about them apples. Th- that's a chick thing, though, isn't it? Like, hey, I'm, this is my high school sweater. It still fits, babe. You I know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it. but sometimes that doesn't fit. I could have, I could have <laughs>
1: gone out there and done, a, you know, a fat man in a little coat routine, but yeah. I didn't want to rip the coat that she sold me, which
2: was the first time we met. I thought that would be bad romantic form. We've been around each other a lot, and I and I, I kind of think we can pick on each other in the sense that what is one thing. You wear, or your partner wears, that like irks me. I'll give you an example. One thing that Kerbs does, it just ah, I just want to like ah, uh, let's hear it. He has this. Okay, these, and like, I don't even know where he's going. I was going gonna to say this it. is he incredible. He says strong, that just ain't true.
0: He has this. <laughs> I don't know what Eddie, happens on the
2: road. He has these Eddie Bauer quarter zips, and they're great, and they're warm, yes, and they're cozy. I love those. His freaking sleeves they <laughs> go down to long. his fingertips. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Cut those yeah. off. Okay. All
1: right. All right. <laughs> I I I totally <laughs> get it. it's fantastic. God, 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 dude, I put some girl underneath okay. All right. So, all right. So, I've got hey, Go here's here's my sleeves. problem. Unlike you, okay, and and some others, okay, I am claustrophobic. Claustrophobic? Yeah, yeah. Today? I tight Did clothes. You... Tight clothes. Oh, I just okay. I, I can't stand. Them. So the problem is to get for some reason To to fit my fatness in the middle, the arms have to be longer. I would agree with you. Oh, see, I'm I'm the opposite.
0: I I need the tight clothes. I need the tight clothes. Like I, no, I, like I don't I, I that, think to, I can't do that. Like I would have OCD the whole time I'm wearing that because I just keep rolling it up, rolling it up. Too much material. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't like. Look at the sh- the shirt I'm wearing now. Okay,
1: all right. The shirt I'm wearing now is, is a Lands End shirt. The sleeves are the right ones, so I ordered them for the right look sleeve because I look there. I don't like him go, going all that long either. But the problem is is to get the seventeen and a half inch neck. There's all this extra fabric here, mm-hmm. so I really have to just get into the custom-made shirt. Yeah. if that's going to. Th- this is that. That's the next. That's the next step. You know, like the Peter Millar shirts, actually, that you can get at, at Mister Guy. Love those things. Those are great. No, those fit pretty well. Like they were made for a body type of me, which is like a bag of milk and a pear. All right. <laughs> what? <You know>? Okay. <laughs> so you know, but but that's it's the pear. Your so, head, or but again, but I okay. That's that's pretty good to know. Okay. Yeah,
0: but this is a fun game. Know. This is a fun game. This is kind of like the butt game that the Riz show guys play. Curbs. What's something that Joe or I do that come irritates on, there's you? Nothing I wear that
2: could run no, no, anyone wear, Right. Okay. Oh yeah. They're sorry. Like- Don't open that Pandora's <laughs> box. Yeah.
0: Something that we wear <laughs> something,
1: something that irritates me, Alex We don't have enough time on a show to get going Look, on that Look, I can't help
0: that I have severe, right. uh, zo- no teeth, Curbs, and I it, spit it, when I it, talk There's nothing a, I can do about that
1: it's, a, it's got a severe thunderstorm warning to your right <laughs> <laughs>
0: It might be the segment that we're opening up to Hey, that'll be a fun question to ask Steve uh, Chapman you know, Chappie, what does Curbs wear that irritates you? Yeah, uh, I would say, jeez
1: <laughs> this would this would insinuate that i've actually given a damn and i don't um uh i i would actually i would have to say it's I'm I'm weighing between the damn Red Robin boots oh, come that you wear on. that you wear it's the Red, wing, that, boots. That the wear red with, wing boots that you red wear you wear Red Robin. A, yeah. That's a restaurant where you oh, get yeah. cheaper. That's right, Red Wing boots. It, but, it's it's Red Wing boots that you wear with a tuxedo. Or, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think I'm going to have to okay. go. I think I'm going to have to go with the Bjorn Borg. Oh, shorts man. that are 14 inches <laughs> above the knee, no matter what activity you're doing. Oh, okay. they show
0: the grapefruits.
2: Yes. I thought you were going with the turtleneck route
0: because I get a lot of flack for oh, the turtleneck. No, that's bad, okay. Okay. no not
1: but the see, turtleneck. But, see, this one I, I just this is again one I had to those. be picky because I don't like. God, I don't care. Those, those, those
0: green pants you wore in the locker room last year where Alexander oh, Steen oh looked and gosh.
1: said,
2: Joe, those are pretty risky. Oh, and even David Perron. I mean, <laughs> I didn't talk to David at that point at all, and he chirps me. Okay, I, I got a rebuttal. Uh, first of all, my boots I don't wear with the tuxedo. Oh, I sorry. wear them sometimes sorry. with a sports jacket. And you say work boots like I've been working out in the yard with them, and they're like Wolverines. These are nice. Red Wing, leather boots that go great with jeans. Alex, I know you'll back me up here. And then my short thing is, again... You see, hockey guys, we have to make a choice: either we have the board shorts down past the knee, or we decide just to own what we have. And I got these tree trunk thighs that are not going anywhere. By the way, I've that's because squatted. your wife loves you. I thighs. was just <laughs> going to say, let's okay. be honest here: Brie you have loves, four kids Brie because of those, those legs. We, we've covered this. I have not yeah. done one squat since I retired four years ago, and my thighs are not going down. So you know what? I'm just going to own it. I'm just going to expose them. I'm like, you know, like my wife said, "Give the people what they want." Four I'm kids. Give the people. What they want? Four kids, the I, can't all the I can't.
1: I can't wear the pants like four inches above my ankle. Oh, see, I like that.
2: Like what Overide does. Like
1: what does with no socks. Yeah, that's, that's I can't do that. No. That's just B.A. That's style. That, is style. that is style. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Stanley Cup you champion, Conn Smythe champion, Selkie winner,
0: right? Curbs, you should try it. Lady Bing winner. When we, do our again. when we do our broadcast from St. Louis, you should walk into the studio with Joe and I with those pants, no. with no, sh- no. no socks. Nope. No point.
2: I could show up in a minivan to practice tomorrow, and I would probably go buy a minivan. Yeah, I think I minivans would, would just, just go skyrocketing. I, I, oh, ch- yeah. I want the chest hair. That's
0: all I want. I can't do a minivan. This is I a get side that. track. I get that, that part. No, I got different, different chest I got, hair. That's I got, I got a that track. I'm going to ask Steve Chapman that when we welcome him next. What does Curbs wear that bothers you? That's coming your way next on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN.
3: Hey. More NHL talk more often this weekend. hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey 101 ESPN.
0: Our number two here on a Tuesday night, Alex Ferrario, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale hanging out with you here until eight o'clock this evening. B.J. Crombean is going to be joining us at about 7.30 30. This evening, but now we welcome in the Executive Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer for the St. Louis Blues and a longtime friend of the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, Steve Chapman. Chappie, how are you doing tonight, sir? (laughs) I'm doing really well. I'm
6: sitting on my front porch. Looks like a little storm's coming through Kirkwood there, Joey. So uh, it feels nice outside, right?
2: Now. Yeah, I tell you, I think I just beat it, Chappie. And uh, you know what? The clouds were starting to brew a little bit. And we're over here in Olive. And it doesn't look too awfully bad here. But Kirkwood could use some rain, I will say that. Sp- yeah, we've had a dry one for sure, speak- man.
0: Speaking of storms, Chappie, I want to open up a storm right now. We just had a great segment before we took the break to get to you about fashion, and Joe (laughs) opened the door of what Curbs wears that really irritates him. Now, you've known Curbs longer than any of us have known Curbs, so I'm going to ask you, Steve Chapman, what does Chris Kerber do fashionably, that bugs the hell out of you. You can only pick one, Yeah, there's only one, so no here. You can only pick one. Yeah, one, so no only, only
1: pick one. Chab, this is the best part
6: is they think I give a damn. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I care. Keep going, Chappie.
6: Well, you know, there's absolutely nothing that Curbs wears that bothers me because I, I'm like Curbs. I don't really care what Curbs <laughs> wears. I'm trying to think what, cause, so I miss this, but I'm going to think of what Curbs does that would bother Joey. Yes,
2: that's and even what, better.
6: What he wears, huh?
2: Wears says,
6: uh, I got, I got. Hold on, I'm gonna make a guess here. Wears a white T-shirt under a button-up dress shirt. (laughs) Uh, Is that it? I hate that. Dude, I'm
1: not actually... Ironically, I'm not wearing one today. You always wear that so old I know, school. how about that?
0: Why? Wait, is that you, a bad thing? Because I do that. Is it? Is it to protect your pits? Yeah. Like, it's it's, it's okay. to protect the shirt
1: from pit stains. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I <laughs> yeah, was this? Hey, is that a bad thing? Because I do that. <laughs> no, but would you, you could like... But if you wear the white V-neck ones... We you know, all that don't, that we stuff, don't have so a it, body yeah. like
0: Joe Vitale where we can just walk around without any shirts on under our collared shirt. Yeah, I thought you were going to oh, go I down think, the... Uh,
6: I think the point was V-neck, though, boys, V-neck. Like when you're wearing oh. that, you put the V-neck on, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought you were going to go down the doc- his Dockers <laughs> so route you, there, Chappie, for a minute. He, he wants want to chest you. His Dockers? Not, now you got a problem with Dockers? <laughs> I
1: thought you didn't care. No, I don't. You, I'm you, just you look like you care. care. No, I could care less. <laughs> I'm just wondering what you got to do in your regular, like, Chappie, you have such issues with clothes. Chappy, Chappy I, observations. Chappie, I told you this was a
0: storm. This was a storm brewing an olive. Ugh, man. Oh, man. <laughs>
6: The so, just to be clear, Joey's problem was Dockers. That's, that, that was Joey's uh, problem. Apparently,
1: Joey has a problem with Dockers. I, I didn't realize he was a big close snob. This no, is that's, fascinating.
2: that's just one one of my issues, Chappie. Yeah. There's there's a laundry list. <laughs> but this is coming from a guy that shares a toothbrush with his wife. Hey, that was last segment, Curves. We're oh, moving on. Moving on, oh, on, on oh, Chappie. Gotcha. Moving
1: <laughs> on. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, um, it, it is good to be able to talk like this with Chappie. That's what we did during the, uh, the, the, the basement hour long that we had when we were on Right before July 4th but uh, Chad let's talk about what's going on St. Louis Blues why' he's upcoming and some great programs and first off, uh, this has got to be year number five or six that we've been doing the banner program and if right around playoff time everybody puts out these St. Louis Blues banners we've created new banners every single year and and this is the time of year we want to see those banners coming out again isn't it?
6: No it absolutely is i mean it's it's something we started a few years ago we wanted to we wanted to get the whole city riled up and going around playoff time because we all know it's a it's a whole new game the just the excitement of going into every single game so we started the program, but like we were talking today, Kurt, it's actually grown way beyond banners. you know the banners are are great and uh and um we'll tell you how to how to get those banners and all that stuff, but it's really grown. Into fans just showing their love and their passion for the Blues, and us spreading that around. We've had fans do unbelievable things with their houses, with their yards, with the fences around their houses, with their businesses, and they'll uh, you know they'll tag us, they'll take pictures, tag us at uh, um, we all bleed blue, and uh, and it's just it's been really cool to see, especially last year on the Cup run, but uh, we're looking to get that going again to get the excitement going.
2: Well, Chappie, I think a lot of families and Blues fans out there can relate to my, my issue. My, my kids asking me, oh, the Blues are starting back up. Can we go to a game? What, what can we do? And I guess that's my question to you is, given everything, Blues going to Edmonton, no home games. How, how can fans stay connected? What, what, what can they look for or do to feel uh, as a part of this as the players?
6: Well, a number of things that that our team's been working on. There's a there are like we said, we're trying to connect digitally the best we can with our fan base, and there's a number of different things that we're talking about doing. We're going to try to connect fans the best we can to uh, to the games themselves. Um, but there's a number of ideas going around right now, virtual watch parties. Um, you know, the, the, this idea of expressing your passion and your love of the Blues uh, digitally. Um, you know, we we're we're just. I think the thing about this, guys, is that. You could sit here and you can look at all the negative sides of it. Hey, we're not able to gather at Enterprise Center, things that we're battling. But you can also sit here and think about how cool this next little spell is going to be. Because hopefully we never see this again in our entire lives. But, you know, for the next little while, this is going to be an unbelievable um, period of pro hockey. Um, I've likened it a few times to the NCAA basketball tournament. I'm a guy personally, I, I probably watch about 10 minutes of college basketball during the regular season. And then when the NCAA tournament comes around, like I'll, I'll sit and, and have it on in my office or whatever it is all day, because it's, it's so exciting because every game matters. It's win, lose, go home. And honestly, when this thing starts off here in the, in the qualifying round in the play in games, um, the qualifying round in particular, I mean, you're talking about every single game matters. I mean, in, in a five game series, uh, you know, for those of us who spend any times in the minor leagues, the five-game series can turn on a dime. And, and just the excitement of all of that and, and watching it, I think it's going to be an incredible period of hockey. What has been
1: some of the bigger challenges of staying connected or taking care of sponsors and season ticket holders and key pieces that are very important to the health of this organization?
6: Well, I think one of the biggest challenges, Kirby has just been the fluidity of the whole thing, right? Like uh, it just seems to the, – the, the scene seems to change about every week or two weeks, and sometimes that changes for the better, and sometimes, you know, sometimes things don't look as good. And that's been difficult, but it's also been difficult because I, I can't even begin to imagine the logistical challenge of putting on – what's about to happen uh you know 12 pro hockey teams their entire staffs um quarantined in two cities in canada uh the the amount of work that goes into getting the the tv deals right to getting the sponsorship um you know there's there's local sponsorship partnerships that you have And then there's national partnerships that you have and the league and the teams have to work together to try to balance that out, to get everybody taken care of the logistics itself. I spent an earlier part of this week helping uh, Richie uh, Matthews and our, and, and, and Ray Barilli and those guys, we had to get a truck. Uh, We had to get permission to take a, a King cab truck into Canada and cross into the border and all the different things that involved with all, you know, all of that. It's just one thing after another. So you know, it's it's just the challenge of putting everything together to make it happen. But the good news is through all of this, uh, our engagement with fans, when I mean, we get – you know, we get reports from the league every week, and our engagement with fans, it's just unbelievable the passion and the uh, the support that we get from St. Louis Blues hockey fans. So, we're going to try to reward that the best we can and uh, stay connected and do a number of things to do so.
0: Chappie, you, you answered my question a little bit there, but I'm curious. You know, we know behind the scenes for Curbs and Joey, of course, on the broadcast side, but for, for you, what has this all been like behind the scenes from having no hockey to ramping up and trying to get all of this put together before they uh, enter Edmonton? And- and kick things off
6: well for me personally i mean there's ebbs and flows but it's uh i, I gotta be honest with you I, I don't think i won't say that this is the busiest i've ever been because we've been busy but uh but it's non-stop and it's and it's watching all of our teams and helping them and and, and just kind of getting all the different disciplines that go into um you know go into running a, a major league hockey organization and it is man you wake up in the morning and and you just seem to you seem to hop on zoom calls you and, and by the way I, I don't know how many different platforms i can i can sustain of uh, of video conference calls these days i uh <laughs> i got i got i got zoom i got go to meeting i got uh i got teams um I'm becoming quite adept at, uh, at the video conference call.
0: Well, And you're successful compared to most people with Zoom calls to where they're either you know, mooning the camera or caught behind the scenes <laughs> on the camera in the shower. So that's a win in my book, too. <laughs> exactly. You well, know, I hate to say, I'm starting to get used to
1: it. So. <laughs> uh, you know, for those, uh, for, for those that don't know, I mean, so, so Chap's been with the team five or six years now, and he came up uh, where he was a part owner of, of an East Coast Hockey League franchise, was chairman of the East Coast Hockey League. He was inducted a year and a half ago into the East Coast Hockey League Hall of Fame for his longtime work on the business side and as a builder for the East Coast Hockey League. So he can give us, a, I think – I think a a true perspective of, Chap, we have seen minor league baseball have to shut it down for this year, and minor league hockey is going into a great unknown. We have a new affiliation with the Springfield Thunderbirds that that is very important to the 2021 season. But again, all that is up in the air because fans are such a critical, critical part to the livelihood of the business side of those franchises. Have you been able to kind of put into some perspective your feelings having spent so much time in those roles along those lines
6: yeah i I feel for them i mean you know what like of the you know of the major sports leagues i mean i would say the nhl is probably the league that is most reliant on its attendance its fans being in the building right um you know, the NFL, for all practical purposes, is, is a made-for-TV product every Sunday. And, you know, the crowds and the and – and, and I'm not saying that that doesn't mean anything. So I'm just saying that proportionally for how they're driving revenue, it's largely coming from television. You know, in hockey, that's not the case. I mean, it is—it is, it is fan-driven, and it's—it's it's in attendance and everything else. So, that, and that's at the National Hockey League level. So you can imagine as you start going down the chain to the American Hockey League, which is development, and the East Coast Hockey, or the ECHL, I guess I should say, which is development, is—is uh, is it's almost completely dependent on fans being in the stands. And then that starts, you know, tripping into okay, what is the development system for the players? Because these players that that end up. You know, in St. Louis, I mean, most of them are spending uh, a year, sometime, whatever it might be, um, at our American Hockey League team, and and then Kerbs you, you know this. I mean, you spent some time in Springfield. Springfield is one of the the last remaining. I think there's like five or six remaining independently owned uh, American Hockey League teams. I mean, they're they're not owned by the NHL team that that you know that is their affiliate, and those those teams are completely. Um, relying on it so you know I ran into a Logan Brown I'd never met Logan I met him today I was out at Merce he was working on my shoulder a little bit and I was asking him what he had heard and you just hear all sorts of different rumors like you know is there going to be a uh, you know kind of a development um, camp there for a little while until we see what happens and, and how things go for next year but I do, man. I, I worry for them. I, I worry that uh, you know if, if they're not able to get going, it's just going to be that much more pressure on on those organizations to continue.
1: Yeah, it is it is going to be quite a challenge. Chap, uh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having my back on the fashion front too. I appreciate that. And um, <laughs> you got it, and uh, well, you you should. If I could find a, a picture of me in parachute pants, I'd blow these guys' minds right now. <laughs> 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 All right, buddy. Thanks, bud. We'll we'll get the word out in more particulars on the Banner program and more. All
6: right, brother. Appreciate it.
1: That is Steve Chapman, Executive Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, listen, my mom uh, bought me parachute pants about three years after they went out of style, and I had to wear them. So you could hear me going down the old – this is when Crestview was – was middle school off of highway C out there where that where Babbler Elementary is now, and you could hear me coming around the corner from about fifty feet away, zip, 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 zip. So I learned early on not to care. Doesn't matter. There was no way you were going to load your mom and go. Mom, I can't wear those to school. Like you can't. Like people are going to make fun of me. And it,
0: like she's like, you think I care? I'm like yep. Okay. Only so matters. You, you got confidence in a hurry. Because if you're wearing parachute pants walking down the hallway and you say stop, hammer time. No, 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 Kate parachute pants are very different than what MC Hammer wore. They are? Yeah, look them up.
2: I don't even know what parachute pants are.
1: Look them up and quit wasting my time.
0: Mm. (laughs) Wow. A hot take on MC Hammer. We'll take a break and come back with more of this on Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN.
3: Nonstop, wall-to-wall NHL talk. This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN. ESPN. ESPN.
0: Former Blue BJ Crombean coming on with us in our next segment. Former teammate of Joe Vitali's he correct? He Arizona was. Coyotes. One year in Arizona. He's so that next to me. guy. So unbelievable, Joe guy. and BJ. We're gonna get that conversation in just a bit. Dad scored one of the more yep. famous goals yep. in Blues. So yep. I had a call.
1: I don't think we'd have it in the archives here that I know of. Trevor would know where to find this, but BJ Crombean was playing with us, and. You you know, your your mind just gets going, so, you know, Crombean scores. And I'm telling you, you can't say, as a broadcaster, if you're doing the game, you can't say Crombean without immediately thinking of Dan Kelly Calling Mike Crombean's goal, yeah. you just you just can't. Like, it's the same thing as Wickenheiser, you like, can't do Wickenheiser. Yeah. Well, there's just the way that he would say Crombeen, and I mean, it, it's just like, it's sort of like it was right in the wheelhouse of his of his note range, mm. whatever. He, like it sounds like he's singing. Give it to us. Give us so, yeah, your, well, no, so, your best. No, I, I I can't even do that justice. But but BJ Crombeen scores a goal, and. I actually – because I got I, – I'm thinking Crombine, and I got Mike Crombine in my head, and he'd been with us for a little while, but I still got Mike bean in my head because I fought this every single time you say it, right? And so I go – and so he scores – and and it was one of those uh, quick shot deflection and score so it wasn't like he had to set his name beforehand so i I go mike crombie and then i go mike crombie's son, son. bj <laughs> <laughs> uh, i tried to answer. google it
0: because we all know google has everything uh, and i typed in chris kerber's call of bj crombie and goal it looks like there aren't any great matches in your search yeah, so, so we'll that, have uh, to find we'll have to dig further actually, into that
1: one I had, to, I, I had to i just had to drag out Crombie, just a little longer. Just going, son. Yeah, (laughs) no, yeah. Bj
2: is, as Kerb said, he's he's one of the greatest players and you know personnel and just characters I've ever played with, a former Blue. He's actually living in Toronto, so I think he'll give us some cool perspective on what's going on up in Toronto.
0: Yeah.
2: And, uh, Did he just, finish with
1: Arizona or he Tampa? He finished
2: it with Arizona. He went from Tampa, Tampa to Arizona. Arizona. Okay. Yeah, he followed Mike Smith to Arizona and uh, just a terrific, uh, tremendous, just and, and a type 1 diabetic. Oh, yes. yeah? So I think we yes. should get into that a little bit. We talked to Luke Cunning last yeah. week about that and just kind of some perspective, you know, with the Pittsburgh-Montreal series coming up. Max Domi is going to be a mm-hmm. big name to keep an eye on. He's still undecided. So kind of give a little perspective on that As a type 1 diabetic heading into a quarantine What would that be like?
0: So BJ is going to join us uh, Coming up in our next segment. I did want to get one Conversation with you guys and get your thoughts um, From training camp. We didn't get to this to open up The show, but Ivan Barbashev, the situation Now people have been paying close attention to Social media from the practices He is skating in the secondary group Not the group that is the Line combination that looks like What your opening night lineup would look like Here's Craig Baruby's explanation of why Ivan Barbashev is playing in that situation
4: Barbie Barbie will be coming with us on the trip okay he's Mm -hmm. available for a couple of uh, the exhibition game and maybe one round Robin game maybe two But then he has to go back home um, for personal reasons with his wife having a baby so I gotta prepare other people in this spot right now because they're gonna have to play And I can't have, you know, that many players out there in a practice. It's too many.
0: So Barbashev not being with the team, possibly the game two or three of the round robin, or even when the playoffs begin because of the birth of his first child with his wife, changes some things up a little bit because Ivan Barbashev, uh, as we've seen a heart and soul of this roster when he's out there on the ice in the Boston Bruins series when he missed a game, a big loss, but on the other hand, we're seeing a guy like Mackenzie McEachern skate in that spot, Joe, and I think that is an opportunity for another player who's had a very strong season in Craig Berube's eyes.
2: You know, I think that this baby thing is going to have more of an impact than ever because of the timing. And, and players and wives, I remember these conversations with my wife. You wanna plan babies in the off season. So yep, right. Barbashev and you know, other players in the blues and you know, I'll give you an example, Lars Eller in Washington, Carl Haglin in yep. Washington, another two right there off the top of my head that had planned this thing right. They did it the it right was, way. And you know what? Actually, really right, because they had a baby right before the season started. So all those sleepless nights, they were going to be on the road. But anyway, no, so it, it, it is going to affect a lot of players. It's going to affect It's going to affect it right here at home. You mentioned Ivan Barbashev is going to miss some time early August. You know, there are some other situations right now in St. Louis as far as some, some players that are probably going to leave at some point in August and September for those personal reasons of having babies. So it, it's going to be an interesting one. I will say this thing as... As worried as I kind of want to be about that fourth line and how it was such an engine last year and how it's such an engine for Craig Barubi I like two things about this. Number one, it's happening early that we're going to lose, lose Ivan Barbashev. Hopefully we don't lose him to any uh, actual playoff games. Right. He mentioned maybe a possible couple of the round-robin games. And number two, the biggest thing I think here is to take note of, yes, you're losing Barbie. Yes, he's a big piece. But does it really matter? I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, you know, we lose a coach, doesn't matter. We're in last place, doesn't matter. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko, even I sat in this You're room right. and said, this is going to be a big one, boys. We're, we're, we're in trouble yeah. here as September rolled around just a year ago. And, you know, it just I don't think anything ever matters with this group. I think Mackenzie McEachern going to fill in very well. He's got speed. He plays tenacious. He's going to play physical. He's a responsible player. And he's getting his reps. And I think he feels that trust from the coach right now. Uh, th- this may open the door
1: for who somebody last week you said you know depending on how the lineup shift could open the door for a Jordan Cairo to be in a lineup and maybe a Sammy Blay. Donald, I mean, again, it, we know where Sammy Blay is penciled in now, but uh, along those kind of lines, look, this is going to happen. This is what it is. Craig Berube takes a very matter of fact approach. I mean, it makes perfectly good sense that knowing that you're going to get two games in and then he may have to leave. He may be leaving before you even get into the playoffs. Right. So whoever you're gonna go with, you gotta go with. And when the follow up question came to Barubi, of well, did you have to talk to Barbashev? I mean I started laughing at myself. I'm like, Well why? Like mm-hmm. Any single player is going to know and understand that situation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and especially on this team, you're, you're going to know and understand it. Having said that, I, Ivan is a very important piece. So if you look at it like if he can get out of the bubble and then take the right time, get back in and the Blues are still going, what a boost that's going to be. Ivan has proven to be much more offensive minded than Mackenzie McEachran. Mackenzie McEachran has to be much more consistent. And at some point in time here, Mackenzie would is going to have to really take advantage of one of these opportunities. He's going to have to make like, these are the opportunities, whether it's a Kyrou, a McEachern, whomever it may be, whether it ends up being a Clem you know, or mm-hmm. or a Meikle on defense. Or a Pagansky. Okay? Pagansky, whomever it may be, All right? These are the opportunities for you to step in and make sure that you don't
2: get out. And you know what? It's, it's a game. you got to take advantage it's of It's a game completely within his control. Yeah. Yes. Because – I don't know this for a fact, but I guarantee you Alexander Steen and Oscar Sundquist have pulled him aside and said, listen here, brother. We chip the puck in, and we hit. We forecheck, and we're aggressive all over the ice. We're responsible mm-hmm. in the D zone. We're going to start. we got to start aggressive. We're going to finish periods. we got to finish aggressive. It's a very simple, controllable game. We're not going out there. Our team's not depending on us to score goals. And, and this is why I think that I, uh, Mackenzie McEachern needs to really find that role. Yeah. Craig Berube has put you there for a reason. He could have gone with Jordan Cairo, but that would have kind of messed up with the chemistry of what he wants his fourth line to be. He wants his fourth line to be fast aggressive, and physical, because if you wanted anything else, I think you're looking at Jordan Kyrou sliding in that spot, so I think for Jordan Kyrou to come in, it would have to be like Curbs was mentioning, it would be a Sammy Blay possibly dropping down and putting Jordan Kyrou in a maybe word he'd have a little bit more success.
1: But but at the same time, That fourth line chipped in with some real critical goals. Especially oh, Especially sure. some very... Remember when they, they started like eight or nine games in a row and chipped yep. in with a couple of goals on their first off, shift of the game? Off the get-go, yep. It was right in the Boston off the series. I think game this, six, yeah. maybe game five. So, so we don't... I mean... Guys like Mackenzie McEachran going out and banging is one thing, but they are going to have to find a way then after chopping the puck in the corner to get it to the front of the net.
0: Yeah. Well, and don't discount, too. uh, You know, a lot of these guys were black aces with this team throughout the postseason, and they watched firsthand what the effect of that trio was of Sundquist, Steen, and Barbashev on the ice. So they're going to have to jump into that role and fill those shoes. It's Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, I'm Alex Ferrario. Let's get to B.J. Crum being the former Blues forward next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN.
3: Now back to This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN.
1: Welcome back into This weekend Hockey on a Tuesday night. We've got Behind the Bench brought to you by Boardwalk Harbor Floors coming your way tomorrow night right after the Fast Lane 6 to 7 p.m. and I'll be joined by both Doug Armstrong and Craig Barubi in tomorrow night's show. So again, that'll be our last chance to really get them in some detail before they head up to Edmonton on Sunday. Joining us on the show right now from up north in Toronto after a 445 uh, career NHL games in his NHL career. Part of them with the St. Louis Blues, two hundred and sixty-five of them, as a matter of fact. With the St. Louis Blues, we're joined by former St. Louis Blue BJ Crombie. BJ, it's great to catch up with you. How are you? I'm good, Curbs. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. It is uh, it, it, so much going on, and it's great to catch up with, with, with some former players and get their perspective on on what they're seeing. But we talked to Jack Michaels, who is the Edmonton Oilers broadcaster earlier in the show. BJ, give us your idea of just kind of what is the overall. COVID situation, as you see it, living daily life in Toronto right now, where another bubble is going to be?
8: Yeah, I mean, uh, Toronto hasn't been too bad. We've been, uh, obviously, had uh, a few months where we were on lockdown and and couldn't do a whole lot. They've been slowly opening things up. Uh, Obviously, Toronto's been a little bit slower than some of the suburban markets and and less dense markets, but uh, all in all, we're... Starting to get back to some sense of normalcy, and and uh, the case numbers, uh, I think uh, as an overall continue to drop. So things are are improving and and getting better on kind of a week by week basis. So uh, can't uh, can't complain in comparison.
2: Beener, hey, it's Joey here, uh, your former teammate in Arizona. Boy, we built some character that year in Arizona. <laughs> Do you did we have to remind him of that, or did <laughs> he forget that? Did he forget it? he hitting tried that a lot. This. Too. Okay. We, we've all been hitting that. He a reminds that
0: right? to everyone when he talks to him. Hey, one joke.
2: thing. <laughs> I will say about BJ Crombie that not a lot of fans know. Okay? So you know how teams uh, I'm scared to hear that. You know how <laughs> so teams why. play sewer ball before yeah. ever you know it's that soccer game so, It's, it's it basically they they juggle the soccer oh, ball. They, okay. We There's, talked about this with his uh T- John Scott, John Scott, and mm-hmm. Shane Doan. We had yeah. Sh- hey Beener. We had Shane Doan on last year, and we were, we mentioned you. And you know what Shane oh Doan said? He said BJ best was best the biggest sewer <laughs> ball bully of any player I've ever played my entire career with. My entire career, BJ, the biggest bully that was you. What do you have to say for that? Uh, I, I think Donnie used to cheat for as honest <laughs> a guy as he was there there was a lot of questionable calls by that
8: guy and, and many other players in my opinion
2: and and to, <laughs> to explain to fans uh, you have the sewer ball if you hit it and it bounces or it goes out you're out essentially so you kind of keep whittling it down to the winner but BJ I, I remember it he'd kick it and it'd be like a you know, rookie could have gotten it but he definitely couldn't have gotten it but BJ was like yep you're out that's it did he ever make you cry Joe no but he's, he almost made a couple guys cry I <laughs> Had high expectations for guys. That, that was as simple as it was. But you know what? To be truthful, though, be you and me. Like we didn't have much to look forward to during the game. Like that was our <laughs> game, was it not? That was the most
8: exciting part of my night, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> but I woke up from my nap excited for it. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I do also remember, BJ, I remember you you know, taking your insulin and you're a type 1 diabetic, and that's kind of my question for you right now. You see it with Max Domi. We talked to Luke Cunning of the Minnesota Wild last week, and Max is still kind of up in the air. We know Luke is going to play, but as a former, or not a former, you still are, but a former player, uh, as a type 1 diabetic, what would be, I guess, some of your concerns, either to Toronto or Edmonton into these bubbles?
8: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's obviously an added layer that you would want to think of and and I mean Truthfully, I mean, I probably, or I know, I haven't done enough diligence. I mean, if I was, you know, putting myself in that type of situation where you're, you know you're potentially at at a higher exposure, uh, would obviously want to gain some comfort around that and what that may look like and the potential added complications of being a diabetic. But you know, again, from from my vantage point today, is you know, it's kind of you know. The similar mentality that I've always had with my diabetes is it's it's an added layer, an added step, and and something to think of. But don't really, you know, try not to let it affect kind of my day to day and my decisions and what I do. So, you know, again, that's that's my own personal opinion. Obviously, others may be more careful uh, than than I would be. But um, you know, that's kind of the opinion I have. Is you know, you'd want to be well educated and understand what your potential uh, added risks are and and understand that and then, you know, make a decision that's, that's best for you, for you and your family and, and obviously, you know, also co- considering your, your career and where you're at and, and, and many other factors that you'd have to look at.
0: BJ, with that in mind, and as a former player, kind of you put yourself in the players' shoes today as you know, going into a bubble for possibly three months with a chance for the Stanley Cup, 24 teams uh, at full health going in. What do you feel like the most difficult part is going to be for a lot of these guys going into this?
1: Yeah,
8: you know what? That's a that's a good question. I mean, I think it's 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 like like everyone else. I mean, it's just such an adjustment from what normal life is like. And, and obviously, as hockey players, uh, you know, thinking through how we lived and what we did and, you know, uh, I guess how close your interaction is with so many different people on everything from training to playing to uh, competing against other players, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that that's obviously, you know, how different your day-to-day in your decisions and et cetera, et cetera, that would be probably the biggest challenge, I I would assume. But, I mean, obviously, I think, uh, you know, every player, uh, unless there's, again, an underlying health condition or, you know, potential challenges with someone in your family, et cetera, et cetera, Um, you know, I think every every player would obviously be excited to to give that up to to have the chance to play for a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, and, and that is that is the one vibe that I'm definitely getting in talking to guys is You know, you don't get for like even the players like for the Chicago Blackhawks or some of the some of the teams that were on the outside. And Minnesota was only a couple of points out, but but there was a Mm -hmm. doggone real chance with his the way their season was going that they missed the playoffs. They look at this now as a second chance to legitimately win a Stanley Cup. I mean, you look, you win a best of five series, you win three games, you're you're in the playoffs, and with the way testing is going to go. Man, like, like if somebody's all of a sudden playing the St. Louis Blues, it, it, let's say it's Blues-Blackhawks in the first round. The Blackhawks upset the Edmonton Oilers, and it's Blues-Blackhawks. And two key Blues players test positive and are out of action for 10 days. I mean, that's a game changer in these series. Everybody has that legit chance.
8: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I I think obviously, you know, no one would want to see, you know, winning that way. Uh, No player, no, uh, you know, fan, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, it it obviously is a real possibility and something I think everyone would, would think of. And and again, I would say this year, probably, you know, better than most anyone has a realistic chance. And, And I mean, again, I think as much, uh, to do with kind of the COVID and, and the potential from that degree as as it is, you know, everyone's rested, everyone's fresh, everyone's healthy, uh, you know, it's a clean slate. If you had a, a bad year to date, uh, you know, it kind of gets forgotten and, and you're starting from, from page one. So I think that, you know, I think Every player I've talked to and, and I would assume that everyone's pretty excited and, and thinks they have a realistic chance
2: So BJ was the Smartest tough guy I ever play with And I'm going to tell <laughs> you why Because BJ we had Robert Thomas on the Blues Center In the first hour and I asked the question How are you going to fill your time And you were the smartest tough guy I knew Because I remember our last year in Arizona On bus trips On plane rides Guys were playing video games Guys were playing cards and you played you played your fair share of cards, but but BJ also he always had some sort of finance book, and he was always like work. He he knew in a sense that the end was near for him, which I thought was extremely responsible. When a lot of players just they wait to the very end, they're like, "Oops, now what am I going to do?" And of course, he got a great job right after hockey because of because of what he did, how he got ahead, and filled that time. So, uh, BJ, how do you how do you perceive that these players are going to be filling? T- Times in Edmonton in Toronto. <laughs>
8: you know what it's uh i I mean i always joke about it and say uh, it's obviously gonna be a lot of downtime i mean that was kind of the joke i always make to you know current players or or anyone that i'm talking to and kind of about the path i took um you know that that you do have a lot of downtime and it doesn't mean again to, to the point you kind of made you don't have to miss card games or hanging out with the guys and and just study around the clock you can still have fun and be one of the guys and and use some of that downtime to be productive um but uh, i mean I, I think every hockey player has a lot of downtime but but now it's getting exemplified in, in the fact that you're you know locked down or in a bubble or i uh, can't leave a hotel room etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's uh it's definitely going to be uh you know an interesting time and and uh knowing what i know and, and what i would do i'm sure there's going to be a lot of a lot of card games, a lot of ping pong games, a lot of uh, different uh, competitive scenarios where guys are, are having fun and, and really enjoying the time together as, uh, as teammates.
1: Listen, BJ, it's, it's been great catching up with you there. I I said this a lot over the last year that as the St. Louis Blues went on that championship run in 2019, for me – what happened between 2009 and, say, 2013 when the team started really getting to the playoffs isn't lost. And And those were a lot of your teams. I mean, I, I went back and was looking at it, whether it be, you know, like your last year with the Blues and there was Jason Yarnott, a 23-year-old Patrick Berglund, a 22-year-old Ian Cole, Matt D'Agostini. I mean, you you had guys like Cade Fairchild, and Genny Grachev, getting, you know, Kent Huskins, veteran Demon man was part of that, you know, Jamie Langenbrunner, and I go on down the list, even more 19 year old jaden schwartz you guys during those years coming in as as middle-aged and veteran players really helped pave the path and turn a franchise around because we've seen the edmonton oilers we've seen the buffalo sabers we've seen these other teams that have wallowed in misery for ages and you guys didn't let it happen I mean, yeah. The, the overall success wasn't there. There weren't great playoff runs. Two thousand nine was an amazing run to the playoffs at second half, but it still got the franchise back to relevance. And 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 you you could see the pride that you all took in to make sure that that was the case.
7: Yeah, I mean, it.
8: it uh, I mean, I, I've I've never thought of it from that angle. I mean, I think obviously, you know, it was very early steps uh, that we were taking. And and again, I think that was a lot of the leadership right from ownership to Doug Armstrong to coaches and players and, and really kind of took pride that we were a little bit of a group of, of misfits that kind of came together and really took pride in how we played and, and trying to be a competitive team and and kind of took that, uh, you know, blue collar uh, St. Louis mentality that we're going to go out and we're going to outwork you and, and compete harder and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I think we we probably outperformed a lot of Expectations for for the number of years again, it obviously wasn't uh, where we wanted to be, but um, you know was was some positive steps. And, and again, I think you know when you look back on it, you could obviously look at it as some stepping stones for, especially some of those young guys that were around those teams and seeing how much pride we took in those teams and, and how much we competed on a night-to-night basis. So again, I, I mean, I I always uh, I've had a few people ask me that, and I always say you know we're I was pretty far removed from that team. But, you know, when you kind of look at it from that angle, it was, uh, you know, something that, you know, I wouldn't say it was kind of a direct correlation, but we obviously, you know, really tried to take a lot of pride in how we played and, and what we put out uh, in terms of an effort and, and product on the ice.
0: B.J., my final question before we let you go, and we appreciate you hopping on with us tonight. Uh, I'm curious because you played a few seasons with Alex Petrangelo in his rookie year, and, you know, right now people around the NHL are labeling him as an elite defenseman. Did you see that possibility in that particular Potential in a young Alex Petrangelo?
8: Absolutely. I mean, uh, Pie was was always a, a phenomenal hockey player. I mean, had the uh, the brain of kind of a 15-year veteran when he was in his first and second year uh, when I was playing with him. So, I mean, you could always see that. Um, I think like any young defense, defenseman, obviously, had to kind of grow and, and mold into the player that he's now become, which is, as you mentioned, kind of one of the elite uh, defensemen in the league. And, you know, a guy like him... And, and, you know, anyone I've ever talked to on him or or in specific, I've always kind of said, you know, he had the, uh, you know, the ability to play and be a a dominant player at both ends of the ice. And and to me, that's kind of what makes uh, an elite player and another guy joey and i uh played with in in uh phoenix and and ekman larson is very similar in that you know you you look at sometimes you look at them and you look at your, their stats and say oh they're a phenomenal offensive defenseman but when you get to play with them on a day-to-day basis and you see how dominant they are from a defensive and, and how smart they are and, and you know a lot of the little plays that go unnoticed um, you know that's really what makes an elite defenseman and, and obviously is a key key part to to any successful
0: team B.J., it's awesome to get to catch up with you, man, and talk. Uh, more importantly, Joe had to make sure we got a former teammate of his on to uh, talk about him, about him, so we appreciate it's that as wild.
1: well. Mm. <laughs> I had to remind
0: you guys I, I, thought, I played I thought, in the league.
1: I thought you two were like bosom buddies, and you now he's ripping at you like
0: I that. we were. Bosom <laughs> buddies. <laughs> I've never heard bosom buddies. Well, you spent
2: a lot of time on the middle of the bench today. So yeah, we, we, should, uh, we did. We B.J. would football. always untie his skates halfway through the third period. <laughs> we lost a lot of games that year. We'd be down 2-1, to 3-2, to two, and he'd be like, hey, let's start untying our skates. I'm Just, like, you know what, you got to go. Just thinking of
0: more sorb Ball. That's right. Exactly. Uh, BJ Thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. It's great catching up and we hope to talk again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. The time. There you go. That's BJ Crom being with us here, uh, former St. Louis Blue on this week in Wait, hockey. Did you um uh Okay. <laughs> I love the guy.
1: Have you ever seen Have you ever seen The King and I? I was going to say, "See if Joe noticed. Have you ever um, seen the movie, uh, the, 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 the old musical, The King and I, The King of Siam, uh, and, a and King the school. speech? No, 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 and not, not with Colin Firth. That was a great movie too, a by the way. Excellent movie. Yeah. Uh, no, The King and I, a musical. Was The King and I? Was that Rodgers and Hammerstein? Rodgers and Hammerstein. I think it was Rodgers and Hammerstein yeah. right? Um, but uh, The King of Siam, who brought in a school teacher, and he liked to tell the school teacher what to say. Here, here's an example of, you, you'll understand this. Do you think you know
2: where we're going with this? Just, is this something to do with et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, you just that
3: head yeah. shall never be higher <laughs> than mine. When I shall sit, you shall sit. When I shall kneel, you shall kneel. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Guess how many times he used it. <laughs> oh, is it et cetera, et cetera one or is it two? No, each one. Each one's one. I would say eight times. 16.
3: 16? That was, that was awesome. Good.
2: That was awesome. Yeah, that was, was awesome. Pretty good. Uh, but
1: I just started thinking of the bald king, the bald character uh, the, from. the I old, thought the old Seinfeld episode of, uh, movie. of All oh, I hadn't even. Thought I of thought of that the Seinfeld one. episode and, uh, immediately. I yeah. was about
2: as lost as there as, as I see people when Curbs tries to explain Mel Brooks references and they're just look. He tries to explain Mel Brooks to like Zach Sanford and Robert Thomas. I'm like Curbs. I barely understand that these kids are. Robert years Thomas old. just said
0: he packs the day before he leaves. He's not going to understand
1: Mel Brooks. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. There's anything irresponsible about trying to educate every
0: chance you get. <laughs> everyone, everyone loved Amy Marks right, scores. I agree. Curbs, everyone, Speaking, loved, everyone loved Amy Marks scores. For, for example, oh, like could we'll...
1: you could like okay, you all know that okay that that well actually maybe I shouldn't assume this okay. Who was the first U.S. astronaut in space? John Glenn.
0: First astronaut in first space. First astronaut in space. I feel like there's like a hidden agenda here. Oh, I want to say was Neil. the first
1: astronaut in space? It's not, are you talking not, about the monkey? Are you, are you literally yeah. you, you're about no, to say? No, it's not
0: Neil. I was going to say Neil was the first man on the moon, Jesus, not in space. Holy, was it? the we,
1: we include monkeys and dogs? No, no, no. The first human. The okay. first. The first Don't human in space was, and was Yuri Gagarin. And he was Russian. Who oh, was, was the first U.S.? No, John Glenn was actually not the first. He was the third.
0: Again. Um,
1: okay. I've, Alan Shepard was the first. Alan Shepard. So oh, yeah. hold on. there's no way you're it, guessing Alan Shepard's because, the first. Because it was on this day in 1961 that we sent the second American in space. You remember what his name was? I won't even mess with you on this one because you thought it was Neil Armstrong. So, not Buzz Aldrin. No, Buzz Aldrin was the uh, was the second man on the moon. Okay. He was in the command capsule. No, so was, you called me out it for Neil it Armstrong, was but
0: Buzz Aldrin was on the same yeah, ship. But could he's I He's know my, he teammate. On, he's I my teammate. He was on
1: Apollo eleven. He
0: could have gone. Yes,
1: because you did have some Apollo. Yes, you you have had astronauts that have done different things. You know, like John Glenn's been up there the like, most of any. Like human, Robert right? Robert Crippen was was the commander of the very first shuttle. Mission, but he was part of. Uh, Guys, he was I'm part of earlier ones. So, so it was Gus Grissom. Gus Grissom was also one of the ones that died with, with White and Shaffee in the Apollo, um, in the Apollo One accident that that burned up when the capsule Ugh, burned yeah. up on the ground with, with the accident. But, uh, but there you go. See, like I said, Alex, it's about education every day. There's something we can learn.
2: I think Gus is a, a name I wish we'd bring back. Gus is a great name. Whenever I think of Gus, I think of Cinderella, the little mouse, Gus, Gus. Do you? I do oh, think. See, I, whenever I hear the name Gus, I think of, uh, of course,
1: you'll have to look this one up, I'm sure, but and I, I can't remember if it was an old Disney movie or what, but it was, it was Gus the Kicking Mule. He kicked field goals. It was a football <laughs> movie. <laughs> what? God, I swear to God, look it up. <laughs> That's I, I guarantee you there's people out to go look. There's a, Gus
0: was a kicking mule. Yeah, mm. and he kicked field goals, kicked the game-winning field All goal. All I movie. think of is uh, from benchwarmers, Gus Bus. There
2: must have been a producer at Disney because how can two characters be named Gus so closely? Well, that could out. be. Because and the way they would, the way they would hike the football in this movie, they go, Oyage, Gus," and then
0: <laughs> Gus, Gus would kick <laughs> the damn field goal. Swear to God, look it up. Nineteen seventy-six. Look it up. Thank you, and Gus. I don't see anything. Oh, yeah, it is a Walt Disney production. Okay, there we go. Gus the kicking mule. (laughs) So, so seated. So,
1: since this has been an amazing, like we've just talked about Rogers and Hammerstein, classic Disney, Mm. NASA, little space history for those of you that thought that Neil Armstrong was the first human, uh, first U.S. astronaut in space, and, and we've just accomplished something in three minutes.
0: Mm. More, yeah, more than you've learned all day long, I don't Alex. Really know what we've accomplished in three <laughs> minutes, but I know what we've accomplished. We've missed a break, so we're just going to keep this segment rolling here. Before we wrap things up, the next time we talk on this week in hockey, will obviously be he's, he's still on this guy know if he's, Gus, i was just <laughs> he's still be. on this kicking. If, mule, if we
2: don't we have voyage,
1: if we don't have voyage, Gus as part of our sound effect on this show. Let me get next to my week, point, and then, then I will get
0: a, to Gus. The be the mule. loser of the week. Sounder. <laughs> I don't even I don't I'm know where the I'm hell I'm at up. with this you right can't now. Even, you, you can't even spit it out Thugs there, Gus. going into these last couple of practices before these guys are headed up to Edmonton. Oh, God, that's boring. This is so much better oh, what okay, we were just cool. doing. Put it up to the you mic, Joe.
2: Okay, I, no, this mm-hmm. is the whole
0: thing. though. Oh, way. okay, well. Oh, Voyage, Gus. Throw Andy a ball. Yes, sir, Mr. Cooper. Yes, sir, Mr. Cooper. Here you go. This is really can't what we've, can't we've can't lowered to. Welcome to.
2: Uh, let's see if <laughs> he's bumpering through it. Oh, the donkey's coming on the field. I'm gonna give you the play by play. Donkey, <laughs> this is, is what we've up. come to. Okay, there's a donkey on the football field. <laughs> it's a man. And there's a player. With your finger. Hold it with your
0: finger, kid. That's what she said.
2: There's a guy holding the ball behind the donkey. Huh. Okay. Now, how do you get him to kick?
3: I usually just yell, voyage. <laughs> <laughs> he made it. <laughs> it's like a <year>. <guys. laughs>
0: guys there's nowhere else for me to go with this so we're just gonna wrap this one up as so much better than anything you were gonna ask there Alex <laughs> I'm, I'm done with I'm done with trying to steer the ship of Oy a Guss. show Guss. because you say voyage Gus this is where we have come to if uh, if you want to listen to any of this mess of a show that we just did you can check it out on the podcast at 101 ESPN for Chris Kerber who will be back tomorrow night with behind the bench who might talk about more kicking mules for Joe Vitale I'm Alex Ferrario We'll talk to you next week. I'm Mr. Ed. Here on 101 ESPN.